So we're doing a sermon series called The Kingdom. Look at your neighbor say, The Kingdom. And so Jesus talked a whole, a whole lot about the kingdom. He gave many parables saying the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. So we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about the kingdom. So hopefully today your, your appetite is wet and you'll want to return to hear more about what we're talking about. So we're going to pray and uh, we're going to get right on into this thing. And Lord, we say, God, again, it is an honor to be together and joining together in your name. And Lord, we thank you that we can offer to you, God, our worship freely. God, that we can sing to you. God, that we can dance before you, God. That we can just express our love and affection to you. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you have given us freedom in the name of Jesus. Because your word says, to him who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we thank you for your freedom to love you fully today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, we're going to be coming right out of Matthew chapter 4, but before we go, I think that Rick has a word of exhortation that he would like to share with the church. April Fools. <laughs> I hear you're quite a prankster, man, so go ahead and pay that forward so you can... <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on, woohoo! Except for him, man, he he turned white. (laughs) Glad that's over. Before we read Matthew chapter 4, obviously today is April 1st, and, and a lot of people obviously like to fool people, but there's this guy, his name's Jim Elliott, and back in the 1950s, he actually gave his life uh, for a tribe down in South America. He gave, he forfeited his life for them to come to know Christ, and they did. The whole tribe ended up coming to know Christ through his wife, and this is what he says. He says, he is no fool, right? April Fools, get it? He is no fool who can give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, He's no fool to give up what he cannot keep. So so many people hold on to all these things. We just, there's, ne- there's, there's never a hearst that has a U-Haul behind it, right? To gain what you cannot lose. So friends, when you gain Christ, when you gain the kingdom, man, that's, it's forever a part of your life. It's so awesome. So we're going to be coming out of, our whole text today is going to be out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. So you can turn your Bibles there. We're going to have it on the screens, or you can swipe up on your tablet if you want to. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Well, we know what we're going to do. We're actually going to take this text and we're going to break it up into three parts. We're going to break it up into repent. We're going to break, we're going to, then we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven and then we're going to talk about come near. So repent. So that's the very first thing that Jesus said. Jesus, when he started his ministry, he actually continued what John the Baptist was preaching because that's what John the Baptist was preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So John the Baptist is slain. He's killed. He's beheaded. And Jesus continues that message. 
And so the first thing he says is repent. Well, what is repent? What does that mean? Well, some people think that repent is maybe when you just feel bad or, you know, you just, you say you're sorry, and that's a good place to start. But actually what repent really means is repentance is actually when you make a conscious decision to turn away from. So when, so when Jesus is saying repent, he's actually, he's declaring for us to turn away from the things that we are doing that don't please God. So it's not just saying, okay, God, I'm sorry. Okay, God, you know, I messed up again. Oh, shucks. You know, it's actually you making a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And so, for example, I just, you know, I'm my own best example. You know, I think of the life that I lived before Christ and, you know, drugs and alcohol and the street life and all those things. And so when I said yes to Christ back when I, in 1998, I know that's a long time. It's crazy, right? It's like 20 years ago. Wow. When I said yes to Christ, uh, you know, the life that I was living, when I started reading the Word of God, I realized that the life that I was living was opposite of what the Bible said, but I didn't know any better. I never read the Bible. I, you know, I really, I didn't go to church. I went to a Catholic high school, so I really didn't have a concept of what it was. But as I began to read the Word of God, I realized that my life had to change. And so I didn't have people like preaching down to me, saying, "You know, you got to stop smoking and weed, and you got to do other." I didn't have anybody like like drilling that down in my in my face, like sometimes we passionate people can do to those around us, uh, you know, from time to time. But the word of the Lord began to correct me and, and actually convict me. So sometimes if you're in church and sometimes people say, you know, I, man, you know, I go to church. I don't like it because it makes me feel bad. Well, you know, there should be a level of conviction in our hearts. If you come to the church, I'm, I'm, I've been living for the Lord for 20 years, and there's always something that I hear that I'm like, man, I can turn something. I can change in my, air, in my life. When I'm listening to that, I'm like, oh, that, that's applicable to me. I need, I need to adjust my life. Right? Come on. Here, right here. So if you ever come to, to service and there isn't something that makes you feel kind of a little bit uncomfortable, then you're probably in the wrong place. Because the Word of God should challenge. You should feel challenged. Challenge is, 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 is not something that... Anybody here exercise? Great. One person. For the rest of you, guess what? There are donuts and coffee in the back. Help yourself. We've got plenty. So... anybody that I know that exercises they challenge themselves to either lift more weights or to maybe run at a faster pace or maybe or uh or there's usually what do they there's a challenge and so so there's always they're always trying to better themselves and so so friends if you don't find yourselves being challenged in in church then then I quit. <laughs> I, I just throw in the towel right now. So repent actually means to turn away from what it actually, when, when, when we used to teach our kids, when we were children's pastors, and then our children's pastor now teaches your kids, is that what repent means, it means to change your heart, your mind, and your direction. So you change your heart. You ask the Lord to fill your heart, to, to live inside you. You want, you want the, your heart is where all of your, emotion comes. And so you want God to change your heart. You want God to change your mind. You know, you don't want to be thinking about the same thing that you used to think about all the time. And then change your direction, meaning you're not going the same way you went before. 
And so when I, when I committed my life to Christ and I repented, I look at my life and I look at my life parallel to some of the guys that I used to hang out with. And, and, and the change of my direction compared to the change of the direction that the guys that I were parallel uh, living my life alongside and the decisions that they're making apart from Christ and the decisions that I'm making with Christ, it's in a totally opposite direction. And it should be like that, right? I mean, it should. Should. I'm not saying it always does, but it should be. So, friends, if you make a decision to follow after Christ, this is the best place to start. You start by repenting. That's the very first thing that Jesus said. So we start by just asking God, forgive us from these things, and we want to turn from some of these things. So you say, man, I know I've, no, I've done a bunch, a bunch of bad stuff. I've done a bunch of evil, and, and God, I need to turn from these things. And so what you do is you admit your evil ways. And so sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't really do anything that bad. Well, according to the standard of Jesus, he says that if you lie, right, if you cheat people, if you look at women lustfully, that all of these things, I mean, I mean, all of those things nullify you. And I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He gives, a, or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, he actually gives a list of things that people are practicing and just saying, just to let you know, if you're living like this, you ain't going to be in the kingdom, <laughs> So we're going to just read these two verses real quick. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom? Isn't it funny that people who do wrong, I mean, it's just like, I'm going to heaven? Uh, really? <laughs> Which heaven are you going to? It's the heaven that I know in the Bible says the way that I'm living, if I'm living like any of these things, I can't be with him. It says, don't fool yourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, fool yourselves. There it is, that word fool. Happy fool's day, right? All that foolish talk, foolishness, lots of foolish stuff. So don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, those who worship idols, those who commit adultery, male prostitutes, practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, cheat people. Uh Uh-oh, you ever cheat somebody before? It says none of these will inherit the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say none. None. None of these. So just think, I mean, if, if you've ever lied, if you did any of these things, it says you will not inherit the kingdom. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. That's why we need to repent. So Romans chapter 2, verse 4. I love this. This is amazing. See, sometimes people, I think, I love the fact that when you read the Bible, you see the love of God and you see the severity of God. You got you to have them both. It's like a parent. A good parent is going to absolutely lavish love on their children but discipline them when they're doing wrong, right? Isn't that a good parent? Would you consider a good parent a person that lets their kid do whatever they want to and get away with it? I mean, doesn't it make you feel awkward when you are in a store and you see a child throwing an absolute fit, like slapping themselves on the floor and kicking? And like, if you're a parent, you're like, can somebody like go like, like take care, like teach this person what to do? You know, and we've all had those moments. Who in here has never had that moment? You've never had that because we're going to have you teach a parenting class as soon as this is over. Because I think every single one of us has had that moment when you're in public and your child does something totally embarrassing, you know, and, you're, and so you have to be like, get up. <laughs> a good child, a good parent loves their children and also disciplines them. Friends, it's the same way with our God. We serve a good God who loves us unconditionally. He lavishes, lavishes his love on us. But, but the Bible says, but yet he does not let the wicked go unpunished. That's his word. So, but this is what's so cool. So check this out. So God, 
in his great love for us, you know, he actually wants us to have relationship with him out of showing how good he is. And it says this in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, how wonderful, how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So God will actually release kindness and release his love and affection to you so that you in turn would want to love him back by turning from a lifestyle that doesn't please him. I think that's pretty cool. You know, and when you, I, look, I look at just, man, how many times the Lord has offered just, just time and time again, man, he just was there, he was there, he was there. And so repent for the kingdom of heaven is near means basically turn from your evil ways. John the Baptist said this. He said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, he said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, you may not quite understand exactly what that means, to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So let's read the New Living Translation. Basically, what this says is prove the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. So basically, let your life prove that you are living a life that is, that you've said, God, I'm not living like this anymore. So prove it by the way you live. Look at your neighbor and say, prove it. Prove it. I want to see proof. Show me the proof. Prove it. So that was repent. That was number one. Number two, the kingdom of heaven. Say kingdom of heaven. All right. So I know some of you guys are sweating like, I'm so glad he's done with repent because, man. Let's go into the kingdom of heaven. Let's get into that part. Jesus preached about the kingdom of heaven, and friends, it has to do with a whole lot more than just us going to heaven. Anybody here ever watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? If you haven't, man, what's wrong with you? No, just joking. I remember being a child, and they forced us to watch that in school, like, every year. And they had it on that big old reel, and they'd, you know, and, they'd, and they'd, you'd watch half of it, and then they'd have to, and then would go, and they'd have to pull it off and put the other reel on, and then you'd watch the other half of the movie. Yeah, 80s. That's the 80s, yep. So, yep, 80s child, yep, that's me. So, Willy Wonka, you know, he got this golden ticket. He was good to go, right? And so a lot of people believe that their relationship with God is like that golden ticket. And so, man, I'm good to go. I'm going to heaven. It's cool. But friends, it's not anything like that. Friends, the kingdom of heaven is more than just your golden ticket. You want it and you're going to the chocolate factory. Uh, Jesus said this. This is what's so cool. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, he said, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. So what Jesus is saying, it's more than just, you know, the kingdom of heaven being some place that you're going to be with for eternity. Friends, the kingdom of God, the kingdom is actually something that is here. It's one of the reasons why we pray Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, which is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so what you're praying is your kingdom come on earth. You're praying, God, what you're doing, I want to be a part of. God, I want... I want what your work to happen here as you're, as you're working in heaven. And so you see, friends, when, when the kingdom of heaven comes, he pours out his spirit, he pours out his power on us to do a bunch of things. He pours out his power on us to minister the gospel, to pray for miracles, to break strongholds. 
He gives us the power to live for Jesus. Friends, you don't, if you're trying to live for Jesus without the power of him uh, uh, empowering you to do so, then you're probably falling into religion. Because religion is you trying to, you're trying to come up with, you're trying to make your way to God, where relationship is God has made his way to us through Jesus, and so he empowers you to live for him every day. So, so you don't have to like try to make something happen. You just basically receive the gift that he has for you, and out of affection back to him, you say, my life is a thank you gift back to God. And it's fun like that. You know, just, just save yourself of all the hassle of, trying to work it out and fix it, trying to make something happen, just just surrender. That's all it is. You just surrender. Say, God, I'm done. I want to be your son. Do what you want to do. So you see, when you commit your life to Christ, you're adopted into his family. Do you know that? When you say yes to God, you have to make that, that conscious decision. Remember what it talks about, repent? So you're like, you make a decision to say, okay, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to start living for Jesus. So you say, I'm going to follow Christ. Following means to actually walk after him, right? He, didn't he tell his disciples, come follow me? Did he say that? Yeah, he did. He said, come follow me. So that means he's moving, he's walking, he's working, and so we want to come alongside what he's doing. So you're adopted into his family when you say yes to God. When you commit your life to Christ, you're adopted into his family. And so he says that you become a son or a daughter. That you are a son or daughter of the Most High God into his family. You can call him Father. Actually, it says in the New Testament that we now have rights to call him Abba, which would be a modern-day translation of Daddy. So you can call your Heavenly Father Daddy. That's pretty cool. Do you know that my daughter calls me daddy every time she wants something? She almost gets it every time, too. She's the only princess. She's like, daddy. I'm like, oh, watch. <laughs> I already know it. Know it's going to happen. She's the only one out of my kids that call me daddy. All the rest of them are dad and this and the other. So she knows how to work that thing. So you, can, so you have the rights, your heavenly father, to call him daddy as a son or daughter of God. And so I'm just thinking of, you know, my kids have rights in my home to eat whatever they want to in the refrigerator, right? To sleep, they got their own bedroom, except for my wife's diet food, except for the food that, that dad snacks on that he has to hide in the, on the garage, and they find it, and this morning just is like, dad, look what I found. I'm like, oh, you, you're not supposed to know where that is. Give me my stuff back. <laughs> Scavengers. So... So they have rights to anything that's in my house, other than the stuff that we try to hide from them, because <laughs> they're our children. In the same manner, friends, God provides everything that we need for life and godliness. He actually empowers us to be an ambassador of heaven. That's kind of cool. Jesus teaches with authority. Do you know the one thing that separated Jesus from any other person is that when Jesus taught, there was authority. They, they recognized that Jesus was a person who taught with authority. He wasn't just like, like any other Joe Schmo that taught the word or some, or some other, you know, some different prophet that came alongside. No, when he spoke, there was, there was things that happened. He, he prayed for people. They were healed. I mean, he spoke as one who spoke with authority. And so, friends, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are filled with supernatural power. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to go ahead and put this kind of out there kind of as a, you know, I, I, I lived my life uh, 
for quite some time not realizing that there was a Holy Spirit. You know, I knew, you know, Jesus, I knew God, but the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 19, uh, you know, they, uh, Paul is going, and he even tells them, he says, and I didn't put this up there, this is just a little side note. He said, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit uh, when you believed? It says, no, we have, we, it says, we haven't ever heard of a Holy Spirit. Do you know that there are multiple people that are in church all around America, and maybe even all around the world, that haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit? Acts, read the book of Acts. He's, all, he's, he's working all through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, I mean, the Holy Spirit comes on them powerfully. I mean, you see, so friends, so, when, so the kingdom of heaven has to do with us living empowered with the Holy Spirit living in our lives. So again, it's not just our, our ticket to heaven. It's us actually being empowered to live a life full of power here where, where we're at. And so friends, just like the early, early apostles, you can pray and see God heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the good news with boldness and authority. And so if you don't remember anything today, remember this, because Jesus has power, okay? Jesus didn't die. He didn't just die for you to go to heaven. Jesus died to break the power of sin. Jesus died to break the power of sin in our life. He didn't just die for us to go to heaven. That was yes, but too many people stop there. He died so that you can be set free and you can walk in freedom. Man, I love walking in freedom. It's fun. When you're living the life that God called you to live, it's pretty awesome. So friends, ask yourself today, you know, do a self-inventory and ask yourself, is sin ruling in my life? Is there sickness ruling in my life? Then friends, let's pray today that that thing breaks off. Let's pray that sin will break off your life, sickness will break off your life, because that's the kingdom of heaven coming near. He said that if I drive out demons, then the kingdom of heaven is, kingdom of God is arrived. It's here. Number three, friends, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So we're going to talk about coming near. Number three, come near. So has the kingdom come near to you? Have you allowed the power of the gospel, have you allowed the truth of the word of God to destroy and expel every lie and deception that the enemy has placed in your life? Because I believe that's where, that's where it starts. When, God, when you say yes to God and he starts depositing truth in your life, then what it does is it actually fights against the lies of the enemy. And so that's where people start to struggle because, because the truth in our, in our life is trying to outweigh the lies. And so we've never really accepted the truth of God's word. And so then there's fight inside of us. And so we, you know, so that's why so many people struggle. And some people give up and quit because they're like, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm confused. Uh, you know, I know God's word saying this, but I feel this and all these things. And, and friend, man, God just wants to penetrate in just every lie of the enemy. There are so many people that are living a life not realizing that there is so much more. I've been doing, uh, by the grace of God, I've been doing urban ministry for, for nearly two decades. And, and there, we call it a, a poverty mindset. And so what has happened is we have what's called generational poverty, where people have been living such a way and their, and their parents have been living such a way and maybe even their grandparents have been living such a way that they believe this is all the, this is all the way that I can live. This is the only way, this is the only way, this is the only avenue that I have. And so what that is, that's a lie. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. That's a lie. If, if you believe that you can only live this way or you can only do this thing, then friends, that's a lie. 
Because, because there is so much, I mean, man, I mean, when, when God comes alive inside of you, I mean, the, 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 there should be no limits to what you can do. He said, Jesus said, he said, those who believe, even greater things will you do than me. I personally haven't seen anybody walk on water yet. Haven't seen it. So I guess the next step up would be walking on air, I guess. <laughs> Jesus walked on, he said, you can do greater works. So Jesus did a lot of stuff. I mean, I mean, Jesus walked in power. And so greater things will you do. Are you allowing the power of the gospel to expel every lie of the enemy? Friends, I just want to go ahead and say this too. You know, I think a lot of times that Christians are unequipped to live this life is because they don't arm themselves correctly. And so, friends, if you don't read the Bible, it's like having an unloaded weapon at your disposal and you have no ammo. So the Lord has given you this tool. He's given you this weapon against the enemy. For the word of God, it, when he's describing it, about the full armor of God in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What do you do with a sword? You slay your enemy, don't you? Anybody here take a sword and, you know, slay enemies with it? That's what the word of God is. You slay your enemy. You don't slay your brother with it. <laughs> you don't slay your sister. You don't take the word of God and cut your, cut your spouse with it. Like, you don't do that, Okay. You don't, you don't take the word of God and go out on the streets and start cutting up people with it, okay? <laughs> you, the word of God is used to cut down the enemy, to cut down lies of the enemy. And so, friends, when you arm yourself with God's word, you're arming yourself with truth that will expel lies of the enemy. So when the enemy lies to you and is telling you you're worthless, you won't amount to anything, you can only do this, then the truth of the word of God is says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says that, uh, that nothing is impossible uh, in, in God. I can, you know, that I can ask anything in my name and, and have it. So what you do is you begin to expel the lies of the enemy. Some of you need to say amen right there. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to fill and empower you to live a life for him? To be a bold witness. I love what it says in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. So the cool thing about God is God is a gentleman. Anybody here know what a gentleman is? If you believe you are one, raise your hand. If you're like a half a gentleman, you can like put your hand halfway up. Like if you're still working on being a gentleman, you can like raise your hand. If you know you want to be a gentleman, go ahead and raise your hand. So... Chivalry is not dead. Maybe a little lost, but it's not quite dead. And so the, God is a gentleman, meaning he doesn't, he doesn't force himself on us. He's given us this incredible, amazing, beautiful gift. It's called free will. And out of that, we can give him back our love and affection, or we can totally reject his gift. And so God is a gentleman, so he, that's why he says, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. So he waits for us to take the first step. And friends, understand this, when, when you take the first step, do you know that he comes like whoosh, like a rushing water over in your life? You'll see God doing amazing things in, in areas of your life that you didn't even know was jacked up. Do you know that there are a lot of people that are living in dysfunction, not even realizing it's dysfunction, they think it's function, but it's really dysfunction? Look at your neighbor and say, well, 
See, people that are dysfunctional don't realize they're dysfunctional. It's It's a cycle. You're functioning in dysfunction because you don't know you're dysfunctional. When you realize that, man, there is, there is so much more. There is a life that is so different that you don't have to, you don't have to, even though you, you were raised with this, you don't have to scream at your spouse every day. You can choose not to. Okay, I don't scream at my spouse. She don't scream at me. Together, we scream at the kids. So that's how that works. In a joint force. Now we're screaming at the dog. Rocket, stop chewing on that. Stop chewing on this. So come near to God, he will come near to you. So it's almost like God is waiting for us to make that response. And when we make that response, friends, I'm telling you, it's just like he whoosh, just swoops on in. So draw near to him, he will draw near to you. That's awesome. So if you're ever feeling lonely, if you feel like God is not around, take a moment and draw near. Friends, if you've joined us today, this morning, you've taken the step to draw near. That's why you're in here today. I want to say thank you for that. And so my prayer is that you would take the next step and that would be to follow after him. Friends, it is the Lord's desire to draw near to each and every one of us today. The only thing that stops God from drawing near is if we try to draw near to him without a repentant heart. So the first step is saying, God, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done, I'm done living like this. And so I've, I've found times in my life when there are times when it feels like God is distant. Anybody here ever have times in their life that feel like God's distant? And you know what I usually do when I feel like God is distant in my life? You know what you know, you know the first step I always do? I check my own heart. I'm like, okay, God, obviously, if there's a separation here, it's because there's something that is causing you to kind of restrain yourself. And so usually I'll, I'll you know, I, I just go down the list. I'm like, God, I repent of pride, arrogance, selfishness. I just, Lord, forgive me, God, if, I, if I've been you know, acting in my flesh too much, uh, you know, is there something that I said, you know, and I just, I just start, you know, I just start asking God to just, I just start going through my thing. And do you know that, that when I come before the Lord with a repentant heart, that man, I, I, it's like the, the Holy Spirit said, okay, phew, he comes on back. And so friends, just take that moment and just draw near to him. Friends, the presence of the Lord it's part of drawing near. If you've never experienced the presence of the Lord, my heart and my prayer is that you would experience God today. Do you know Psalm, we're going to end with this verse. Psalm verse 34, verse 8. This is what the psalmist says. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Tasting is something that you can physically do. Friends, and I believe, I believe that there is I believe that the Lord wants us to physically experience him. The Bible says, and I say this a lot because I 100% believe it. The Bible says, in the presence of the Lord, there is what? Fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So you know what that is? That means when you're in God, there is something physically that you receive from the Lord. Joy. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It says, when we're friends, it says that perfect love casts out all fear. So when you are in Christ, you have courage. You have boldness. You have love. 
you have joy. It says, no unto Christ. It says that he will guard our heart and our mind. And in doing that, it says that the peace that passes all understanding will guard it. So there's peace. Anybody here needed some peace in their life? Anybody here feel like, man, there's just there's turmoil and things going on? Would you stand to your feet with me today? You've chosen a good day to be here with us today. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you today. Friends, if you know, we're going to give you an opportunity today. If you know that there are some areas in your life that, man, you need to take before the Lord, you need to repent, you need to maybe turn from some mindsets or some actions, this is the best time to do that. If you in here, you know that, man, there's some things that, man, you got to, you got to give before the Lord. There's some mindsets. There's some strongholds. There's some attitudes of your heart. There's some actions. I'm going to ask you to do something bold and courageous. I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and come up here because we want to pray with you. Also, I'm going to ask too, if you find yourself in need of the kingdom of heaven to draw near to your life, maybe you've made a confession before the Lord to serve him, but man, you just feel distant and you just feel like you need to re, have a reconnect happen. If you slip out of your seat, man, we want to pray for you today. Father, we thank you, Lord. We're going to pray and then I'm going to ask some of our pastors and leaders to come and pray with us. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word today. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you are so awesome and that, Father, you provided for us through the cross that we celebrate today. Life, your word says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have come to give life. And Lord, we thank you for just God breathing fresh life on your sons and your daughters in this place today. God, just refresh life. God, just refresh, renew. God, invigorate, revitalize, just strengthen, encourage, empower, just infuse courage in Jesus' name. If we can have some of our prayer leaders come up and pray with some people. We're just going to take a moment. We're going to pray for some people up here. And I just want to let you know that I have a, I have a, a prayer that I want to pray over you. Actually, I'm going to pull it out on my phone. That would be easiest. are being prayed for. This is found in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this blessing over you. You can just go ahead and receive this. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp 
How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that passes knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.